everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Many years ago now, my mom and I had a difficult talk. Mr. Green was a Jewish friend of the family. Mom went to his funeral, came home and said, well, at least he's in a better place. I said, Mom, Mr. Green did not believe in Jesus. Oh, oh yes, but he was such a nice man. I said, Mom, nice doesn't cut it. We're not nice, we're sinners. We all need Jesus to be saved. Well, yes, but I can't believe God would send such a nice man to hell. Well, the question for this half hour is, do nice people go to hell? And we're going to learn from the lips of Jesus himself, the way is narrow that leads to life. Few are they that find it. Would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 13, and let's get into the issue of do nice people go to hell? Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray that if there are people watching this show and they think they're getting into heaven because they're nice, Lord, open their eyes to see that we're not nice, we're sinful, and we need a Savior. God, pray that, I pray that people that are not trusting Christ at this moment will soon put their trust in Him and not themselves for their salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 13, if you would open there, and we will begin at verse 22. And as Jesus was passing through from one city and village to another, he was teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus has, has predicted, I need to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to die on the cross, and, and he's, getting, he's, he's making his beeline now to Jerusalem. And then a question is asked. Someone said to him, Lord... Are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter by the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. I want you to notice what Jesus does there. He takes a speculative question, Will many be saved? And he pinpoints it right back at the man. Forget the speculation. You strive to enter by the narrow gate. Here's the first lesson I learned today. Cut through arguments and talk to people about their soul. I was on an airplane recently, sitting next to a, a, an older woman who talked a lot. <laughs> but eventually, we got to talking about the soul and that we're sinners, and it's only by Christ that we can be saved. Then my plane landed, and the Uber taxi guy picks me up to take me home and we, he was Ethiopian, and we talked to him about salvation and his soul. And it's only by Christ's death, not by your goodness, but by Christ's death that we can be saved. Look at one more thing. Look at verse 24 and answer this question. How do you get through the narrow gate? And the answer is, you have to strive. The New Testament was written in Greek. The word strive in Greek there is agonizomai, from which we get the word agonize. And the word can be translated fight, 
struggle, strive to get through the narrow gate, you have to fight. And Paul says the same thing in another letter, uh, 1 Timothy 2, uh, excuse me, 1 Timothy 6, Timothy, fight. It's the word agonizomai, same word. Struggle, fight, the good fight. In other words, to be saved, you have to fight. Now, I'm a Lutheran. I believe we're saved by grace alone, not by our effort and our fighting. So why does Jesus here and elsewhere Paul say, you got to fight to be saved? Well, um, elsewhere Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Not fighting, not struggling, I'll give you rest. So am I saved by my fighting and struggling, or am I saved by resting and trusting the grace of God? The answer is yes. <laughs> Follow this. Here we go. Colossians 1, Paul says, I toil at the present moment to present every man mature in Christ, striving, same word, agonizomizing, with all the energy which he mightily inspires in me. One more time. Uh, Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, I labored more than any of the, than all of the other apostles, yet not I, the grace of me, God, that is in me. So here's the way it works. Do you have to fight, struggle, and strive to get into the gate? You do. Well, does that mean I'm saved by my efforts? No, because it's the grace of God in me that helps me fight and struggle and strive. So he gets the credit for that too. It's all of grace. So when Jesus says to fight in one chapter, and then he says to rest in the other, is he contradicting himself? No, because the fight is to rest. <laughs> the fight is to rest your hope on Christ alone for your salvation. The devil and the world will try to get you to put your hope in all kinds of stuff. The fight of the Christian faith is to rest by putting your hope in one place, Jesus, and that's the only place I rest. We've got to fight for that. Geldenhuis was a New Testament scholar who said, It is true that we are saved only by grace and never through our own effort. This does not relieve us from the urgent necessity of striving on our side with might and main to enter into the straight gate. And I'm, I'm concerned that so few Christians understand the urgency of fighting. I called a good friend of mine a couple days ago. I've known him many years. He's a uh, pastor down south. But I remember a number of years ago, his wife left him for another woman and he was having to get into the pulpit that Sunday and announce his divorce and that he was stepping down from the church. And he was kind of angry at God. And you know, Tom, I'm losing my wife. I'm losing my job. And why is God doing that? And we had a good talk and, and I said to him, you know, my main concern for you, Ken, is that you don't lose your soul through all this. Uh, my hope is that whatever happens, you just cling to Christ, and at the end of this thing, you've still got your faith and your hope in Christ. Not in your job, not in your spouse, but in your Savior. And you know, he came through it great. He's doing fine spiritually now. But I called him two days ago to say, Ken, good job, I'm proud of you. <laughs> we need to fight. Verse 25. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer and say, I do not know where you are from. You know, a lot of people think 
you get a second chance after you die. If you haven't accepted Christ, then after you die, you get a second chance. This verse teaches there's no second chance. Once the door is shut, it is shut. And there's a saying, he that waits till midnight to repent often dies at 1130. And if you die without having accepted Christ, the door is shut and that's it. One more lesson from verse 25, it says, I do not know where you come from. And here's the next lesson. Those who do not know Christ will not be saved. I've, I've said this before on the show, let me say it again. There is an evil heresy that is sweeping through Catholic Protestant denominations called universalism. It is the teaching that everybody goes to heaven. The devil will be in heaven. Hitler will be in heaven. Buddhists, Christians, Jews, Muslims, everybody goes to heaven. And you know the problem with that heresy? That's not what Jesus taught. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the only way to God. The, in Acts chapter 4, the apostle Peter says, there's only one way we get into heaven. That is by the name of Christ. And, um, and I, I've said this before too, but let me repeat it. It is so troubling that the head bishop of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, a liberal woman by the name of Elizabeth Eaton, she was asked by a Chicago newspaper recently, Bishop Eaton, is there a hell? Her response, I'm quoting pretty much exactly, there may be a hell, but I think it's empty. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught people are going to hell, Bishop Eaton. This verse teaches those who do not know Christ will not be saved. Look at verse 26. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Here's the next lesson. If you eat with Jesus and are taught by him, but remain a worker of iniquity, you will not be saved. Let me repeat that. If you eat with Jesus, maybe you take Holy Communion regularly. And if you hear his sermons, maybe you go to church, you hear sermons. But if you remain living in impenitent sin, you will not be saved. There's a, an old saying, walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. Just the fact that you know about Jesus does not save you. Mere association does not save you. Do you know what the Church of England did some years ago? They decided to say that people who are living together unmarried, they're not going to call it living in sin anymore. They're going to call it, quote, people in committed relationships. Well, you can call it what you want. The Bible, if you're living with your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend, you're having sex outside of marriage, that's called fornication. First Corinthians 6 says fornicators don't go to heaven. Call it what you want. But if you're living in impenitent sin, we all sin, yes. But we repent when we sin. We don't live in it. And this verse, Jesus is saying, if you live in impenitent sin, you're not going to be saved. Verse 28. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when, there when you, the Jews he was talking about, see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves being cast out. Here's the next lesson. Heritage does not save you. 
Jesus is talking to Jews here who thought they were saved because Abraham was their great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. And Jesus is saying, no, he can't save you. Your heritage can't save you. And Christian, your Christian heritage can't save you. Well, I was raised Catholic, or I was raised Lutheran, I was raised Baptist, and my grandma was a... Your grandma's faith cannot save you. Well, I was, I was confirmed Lutheran and, and Baptist. Yeah, but the question on judgment is not, were you confirmed when you were 13 years old? Do you present tense have a living faith in Jesus Christ? That's the question. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I've done so many funerals. <laughs> and sometimes, because of, sometimes the funeral graveyard is outside of town, sometimes you spend a lot of time talking to a mortician. So here we're driving, and the mortician says, you know, I'm worried about my wife. She was raised in a Lutheran church. She's a believer. She, she believes Jesus is the Son of God. But when I want to talk to her about God, she doesn't want to hear it. It's really hard for me to get her to go to church. But I know she's a Christian, uh, and she was raised Christian. And, and I said to him, does your wife pray? Oh, no, she never prays. I said, I don't think you can be a Christian and not pray. And then you could tell he really got worried. But my point to him was, the fact that your wife was raised in a Christian church, the fact that grandma was a Christian, the fact that she was confirmed, the fact that she believes Jesus is the Son of God doesn't save her. The devil believes Jesus is the Son of God. And I said to him, you know, my point was, your wife needs to start fighting. Spite, agonizomai, strive to enter that narrow gate. She needs to make her salvation a rather big deal. And don't you agree at home there, isn't where you spend eternity rather a big deal? My point is make that a priority. Strive, struggle, agonizomai. Make sure that your faith is in Christ alone and nowhere else. One more consideration. Did Jesus answer the man's question when he asked, will there be many in heaven? Look at verse 29. And they will come from east and west and from north and south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. I think he answered the question. Uh, here's the answer. Many will be saved. They're going to come from north, west, south. There's going to be a lot of people in heaven. In fact, it says in Revelation 7, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no man could count, from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. In other words, there will be a huge number of people in heaven. So many people you can't count. But nevertheless, Jesus says, narrow is the gate that gets into that heaven. And you have to fight, you have to struggle to keep your faith in Christ alone and nowhere else. Well, you know, I'll, I'll just close with this. Many years ago now, because mom has been dead for a number of years, many years ago, I felt I was supposed to have a one-on-one -on -one talk with my mom and then my sister and my brother. And this was hard on me, but I drove to Omaha to do it. And I talked alone with mom, and then with my sister, and then with my brother. And I just spoke from my heart and I said, you know, the most important thing for me is that all three of you go to heaven and you just don't seem to care. I mean, 
no offense, but do you ever think about these things? I mean, do you read your Bible? How often do you go to church? I mean, my brother watches football on TV a lot. Has he been in church once this last year? I don't know for sure, but I'd be happily surprised if the answer is yes. And isn't it crazy how people get lost in all kinds of unimportant things, but they don't fight for their soul? So, so my, my, uh, let, let's go back to the original question. Do nice people go to hell? The answer is there are no nice people. We're all sinners deserving hell. It's only those who go through the straight, narrow gate of Christ that will be saved. And so if you've never done that, if you've never said, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins, come into my heart, be my savior, I'm trusting in you, and then go find a good church and get baptized and go to church every Sunday. But we need Christ to be saved. And we're not nice. <laughs> Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, you know, in light of your sermon here, isn't it kind of narrow-minded to say that only Jesus saves? Mm -hmm. Well, it is narrow-minded, but Jesus said, the way is narrow that leads to life. And, and not to be snippy, but I heard a Christian say, I can afford to be narrow-minded. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> and if the Bible does teach, and it does, that Jesus is the only way of salvation, yes, that sounds narrow, but it's what Jesus himself taught. All right, so then I guess my next question is, how does a person talk to someone about their soul? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have children that are married and family and that, and I guess... How do you go about doing that? Well, here's the deal. I, too, have loved ones that I have talked with about Christ and explained salvation. But if they choose to reject it, then after you've done the, had that talk, then you pray for them. And it ain't over till it's over. Some people do become Christians right in their last moments. But, Jackie, um, I think we pray. I mean, there's certain people, certain relatives. Before I talk to them, I have to pray first. And then sometimes it does come out, but often I'm biting my tongue. So you, you lean on the Holy Spirit's movement at the moment. So you're saying there won't be a second chance for anybody. Right. This, that, that parable, uh, Jesus said once the uh, a holder, householder gets up and shuts the door, you're going to bang on the door begging to get in. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me. And he says that to people. Here's where it gets. He says that to people who cast out demons in his name and did miracles in his name. There are going to be people in hell that did miraculous name works in the name of Christ. But it's because he says, I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness, that means they never really repented of sin. Mm. It's a scary verse, but it's what it says. Yeah. Which churches teach universalism? All right. Universalism, again, is that heresy that everybody goes to heaven, nobody goes to hell. And you've got people in the Catholic Church, in the Protestant denominations, that teach that everybody goes to heaven. Now, Jackie, it used to be just the Unitarians believed in universalism. But today it's being taught in lots of Catholic Protestant seminaries, sadly. Now, a lot of Catholics and Protestants don't believe in universalism, and you and I are two of them. But sadly, this, this is, heresy has found its way into the church big time. 
can a person be saved if they've lived a life of sin, though? Yes, the thief on the cross lived a life of sin. He got saved in the last moment, but I wouldn't count on that because, like I just said, he who waits till midnight to repent often dies at 11.30. And when people say, well, I'll just, be the, I'll just repent on my deathbed, the answer to that is you don't know if you're going to have a deathbed. You could have a head-on collision. And the thing, other thing I've preached, Jackie, I've seen it because I've done it where I've been with someone on their deathbed and I urge them to receive Christ and they say no because their heart is so hard. So your heart can get so hard that you can't say yes to Christ. Hmm. So a person can lose their salvation then, <laughs> or not? Well, let's talk about this. This is the big controversy. Okay. There are Calvinists, followers of John Calvin, uh, who believe that once you're truly saved, God will keep you saved. You'll never lose your salvation. And then Lutherans, I'm a Lutheran, you're a Lutheran, we tend to believe you can lose it. Um, my understanding is, who knows? This is a difficult issue. There are verses that make it sound like once you're saved, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion, Philippians. But you've got other verses, Hebrews chapter 4 or 6, uh, Beware lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So it's like you can fall away. Because I'm not sure exactly of how to interpret all this, I'm willing to be a little muddy on this and say I'm not exactly sure. But Jackie, let me tell you this. Here's what I don't like. Some, some not all, of the once saved, always saved Calvinist crowd would say, well, I know I'm saved because 15 years ago I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. Haven't been in church since. I'm living like the devil, but hey, I prayed the prayer. Even the Calvinists would say that's not true because the way you know you were truly saved is if you endure to the end. And if you fall away, they would say you were never saved to begin with. So some of this is beyond me, but that's what, uh, that's, that's my best. <laughs> okay. Well, are there things that people can do to fight for their salvation? Yes, there certainly are. Pray every day. I read my Bible every day. I go to church every week. I have good Christian friends who uh, will confront me when I need it. I have a, an accountability partner. We pray together about each other's problems and struggles. Those are huge things. Church, prayer, Bible reading, get an accountability partner. That's the way to fight. But if we're saved by God's grace, can you explain why we still need to strive? Yes, because when you are saved by God's grace, he gives you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit within you causes you to fight for your soul, to fight to do good works. And the fight is his fight, but he, and he gets the credit for my good works. But once you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can't live. And, I mean, Jackie, I had some woman say, a, a woman came to me once and confessed her sins and Years later, she came back and she said, you know, Pastor Brock, years ago when I came to you, I was living with my boyfriend. And after I accepted Christ, I couldn't do that anymore. She said, it's not that I didn't get attracted to him because I still did, but I couldn't have sex with him anymore. And I said to her, that's the Holy Spirit. So can you give us a little more background about who was Luke? I mean, yes, Luke wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke. He was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. And at the, he's writing to a man named Theophilus, some Roman probably official, and he's laying out the life of Christ in Luke. And then he writes book number two, the Gospel, the Acts of the Apostles. And Luke is trying to convert Theophilus by showing him the whole life of Christ. And he says at the beginning of Luke, 
I, I studied this. He maybe interviewed Mary, the mother of our Lord, and the apostles, and then he put it all together in his gospel. Okay. He was a doctor. All right. He was a doctor. Luke the physician. Yeah. Okay. If a person has a sin habit that they say cannot seem to break, mm -hmm. is there any advice for that person to conquer that Overcoming sin? a sin habit. I think what I, what I said a few minutes ago would work. Church every week, read your Bible every day, pray every day, and then, this is the big one for breaking sin habits, find an accountability partner that you talk with at least once a week, and you confess your sins to each other, and you counsel each other. That would be the way to do that, yeah. Okay, so now I have a question for you. You've talked about the Antichrist mm -hmm. and that. Do you believe the Antichrist is on Earth now or yet? You know, the, the, according to the Bible, there will be someone called the Antichrist before the end of time. He will proclaim himself to be God, most people will follow him as God, and he uh, will be a very evil person. Uh, I, I said on a previous show, Luther thought the Pope was the Antichrist. In the 1940s, um, uh, people thought Hitler was the Antichrist. Back in the first centuries, the early Christians thought Nero, the, the uh, Roman emperor, was the Antichrist because the emperors in ancient Rome thought they, they said they were God. But there's going to be someone who is so evil, he's going to be the epitome of evil, who will come right before the end and will fool many. Is he alive today? We don't know. It'll happen when it happens. Yeah. So, well, I think we're just about out of time. We've mm -hmm. only got about a minute left. Do you want to give a little update here? Sure. Everybody, we've been doing this program because of your generous prayers and support, and we want to thank you for that. If you go to this address, pastorstudy.org, you can watch all of our TV shows anytime for free. So if you know someone who needs this sermon on Do Nice People Go to Hell, you just tell them to go there and they can watch that for free. That's also the address where some people can contribute and help us uh, stay on the air. But we just want to ask you to pray for us. God bless you for all you do. We get lots of letters and people that uh, thank us because we try to stand on scripture against the errors of the age. So uh, everybody have a great day. In fact, let's just take a moment and close in prayer. Father, we do want to pray again. If there's anyone watching this show who thinks they're getting into heaven because they're nice, show them their sin. Show them their need of Jesus on the cross for their salvation. And Lord, bring us safely together next time we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.